0: We'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor,
1: Mauser Electronics. Not only does Mauser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends. And this month, the focus is on AI and edge computing. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, video, and more at mauser.com slash empowering-innovation.
2: What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar.
1: I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe.
2: This week, it is all about Activision, Blizzard, and the litany of complaints against them as a company and we'll be diving into kind of what all that means for the gaming industry at large but specifically what the hell is going on activision blizzard uh and we'll be chatting with engadget's jessica condit about that as always if you're enjoying the gadget podcast please be sure to subscribe on itunes or your podcatcher of choice leave us a review on itunes and uh you can always drop us an email at podcast as well join us thursdays typically around 10 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. You could join us for the live stream there, join in on the chat, uh, maybe ask some questions because we do some Q&A. And uh, it's generally a fun time. We've got a lot of great regulars, so join us. So let's get into all the insanity happening over at Activision Blizzard. And to help us break it down, it's our senior editor, Jessica Condit. Hey, Jess, how's it going? Hello, hello, going all right. How are you guys doing? Hello. Yeah, doing, doing okay, but also feeling kind of uh, crappy about the games industry and uh, the world right now after reading these uh, these horror stories can you give us just like the basic setup of what's going on because I know this started with a um, a lawsuit by the state of California right um,
0: yeah so so this is a story we've heard before in the gaming industry right um, this is a story about a frat boy culture at a major game studio sexual harassment, Um, women just being treated, uh, in a different way than men in an unfair way. Uh, -hmm. but the interesting thing about this is that the, the government agency in California has actually just filed this complaint. This, they just, they brought this on. There was no explosive media story. There was no like Twitter storm that set off an investigation. This was something that's kind of been happening behind the scenes for a few years, it seems, um, and, and yeah, finally, this, this has been filed, and Activision Blizzard um, clearly has some, some issues, uh, the state of California thinks, uh, when it comes to, I mean, just treating mm-hmm. women as human. Um, and one of, the things, one of the things that really caught my eye, which is something we see across tech and gaming studios is the low amount of women in leadership positions at the studio I think it was something like Activision only had 20% women in the workforce but even then at the top women were paid significantly less there were not women at the top women of color in particular uh, were are in the complaint that they're saying that this is this is a culture where you cannot progress you're micromanaged if you're a woman of color in particular yeah you know, this is. Again, stuff we've heard before from Riot Games, from Ubisoft, from Ton—I mean EA. Any of the major studios. This is something we know mm-hmm. about. This is kind of what GamerGate was tapping into, um, but now there's now there are actual lawsuits coming out of it.
2: Gotcha. And we should say, um, hey, for our listeners, trigger warning for sexual abuse and suicide here too, because these stories get very dark very quickly too. Like. There are some examples of things you're talking about, Jess, like the frat boy culture, things like cube crawls, when the dudes at Activision would just crawl through cubes. It sounds like something you do, you know, in a drunken college party or something, but apparently they were groping women during that. A lot of cases where um, alcohol was just like freely available at like every single event, which is something I think the gaming industry and the tech industry as a whole, like you don't have to everything doesn't have to sit around just drinking folks. Like there, there's so much more to the world. Um, there is the case of an employee who reported, uh, who said that she was feeling bullied in a way, um, you know, throughout her time and basically ended up taking her own life during a work trip with a colleague too. that. I, yeah, there, there's a lot of like things happening here and it's hard to tell, like, what is the, what is the core of the, the grossness here? It, it it typically comes from the top, right, Jess?
0: Well, and that's the thing, mm-hmm. and this is this is why I think it's so important to point out the lack of women in leadership yeah. roles at these companies. That's a huge. I mean, it's not just women; it's women of color, it's people of color, it's non-binary, gender fluid people. It's it's all these different groups. Um, so, and you know, it's interesting as I even as I even say that, um, I I I think about the response to Gamergate, I think about being called a social yep. justice warrior. Mm-hmm. I think about, I think about the vitriol that I personally experienced as a journalist during Gamergate, as a woman <laughs> in journalism in video game journalism during Gamergate. So like even talking about these things is still scary for, for me, for people in development. Um, I, I think that this is clearly something that we never fully reckoned with as an industry. Um, I believe it was what two years ago. Uh, there was a a reckoning uh, once again, and that was something. That was like that was a sign that this conversation's not over. That was a sign that uh, that mm-hmm. the, the the GamerGate um, the effects of that are are still there's still ripples being felt. Um, but this is this this lawsuit is is a step forward. I mean, Riot Games, yep. Ubisoft now we have Activision Blizzard. This is this is progress. Um, as awful as it is to hear about this, this is progress.
2: It, it is like shining a light on the worst of the industry. And uh, we'll say like the, the follow-up from Activision employees, um, initially it was 800 employees who uh, called out the, the response in a public letter. I think that number actually went up to 2,000 uh, as of right now. So the employees are talking out against it there were plans. Um, there was a walkout uh, on Wednesday of this week after they announced that, too. Um, the numbers I saw was at least 50 employees, but I'm sure it's probably much bigger than that. Sherlyn, do you have any thoughts or things you want to add here? Because I'm sure you, you've you seen probably some similar garbage during your time in media.
1: Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. to unpack. We're, we want to talk about personal experiences. Uh, I think me and Jess have plenty of stories to share if you know from from mm-hmm. from gaming for Jess and from being just a woman in tech for me but um i you know i think after gamergate and and what Jess talked about as sort of a beginning of a reckoning a while ago i was just like oh okay hopefully you know it's starting to improve because I I was seeing encouraging um, commentary all across things like Reddit and and just the places I frequent. People seem to be more aware of the issues. People seem to be and and so the action of employees walking out and you know calling out the aberrant uh, the the bad response from Activision are are good. It's actually heartening mm. to see. It's it's no longer an immediate like doxing and swatting of whoever reported on the story, which. I feel like it's an improvement because in the past I was afraid to even get close Mm -hmm. to the word Gamergate. I didn't even want to touch that. And I was already like a tech reporter then. And I was like, Mm -hmm. no way in hell am I commenting on this because they will come for me. I don't have the guts to do something like that. At that time I was just a baby reporter. Um, So it's, it's, it's good to feel like there is more support for people suffering from situations like this. But yeah, no, this is a familiar story. Like Jess said, right? Like, Mm-hmm. We've we've heard it. I've been in workplaces that have had individuals who behave like this who thought they could get away with it, but I was lucky enough to have a supportive team that was made up of a diverse group of people um that all stood up for each other. They were like, "No, dude, this doesn't mm-hmm. fly." And of course, the perpetrator was a white dude, but you mm-hmm. know, it's like, "Come on, why is this still happening?" And it sounds like it's such a such a deeply integrated level at Activision.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it sounds like also there, people assume like oh hr will help you right? right but we've we've talked about this before hr definitely just exists to protect the company from being sued <laughs> mm-hmm. um and if if things are so bad where culturally like even your top level executives are participating in this behavior and enabling it hr's only thing is going to be like oh how do we how do we keep everybody you know how do we keep the company good here amidst mm-hmm. all this bad behavior um i don't know jess if you had anything you want to add on the HR side of things, because this is a failure of so many. It's gaming companies, it's tech companies, it's everything where HR doesn't back people up.
0: I mean, well, like you said, it starts at <laughs> the top, right? This is HR exists at, at different levels at every company. It, you know, it, it serves different purposes. I think even at every company, um, so I don't. I don't put the blame on HR necessarily. It's just this is systemic. <laughs> and how many stories do we have to hear? How many accounts? Of Cosby suites, Activision God. looking at you. Do we need to hear before they're actually taken seriously? And I mean, this isn't the only way sexism plays out in the industry, right? Like, mm-hmm. th- I feel the same way when I look at like the board members or the the CEOs, the the C suites of Activision Blizzard, and it's just a bunch of white dudes. I feel the same way when I look at a lineup of esports teams, and it's just a bunch of dudes. And there's no reason for women not to be in this space except that we have been systemically pushed mm-hmm. out and told that we don't belong. And this is, it's, yes, it, it manifests itself in lawsuits and actionable action, you know, behavior by CEOs. But it's also like, this is what I mean. Like, I love esports, I love watching League of Legends. But every time those teams come out, I'm like, ooh, reckless, nice. But then I'm like, mm-hmm. wait where my ladies at, you know, and I feel it every time. And I, I think that's something that's, that's, it's just been a constant in my career in video games is looking at these companies and being disappointed mm-hmm. um, at, at just the breakdown of what I see. And then people just denying that it even happens and that over yep. and over again.
2: It's a, uh, I mean, how, how do you trace this, right? How, what is the root cause of this? And you, you have to look back at like, the way so much of our culture works the way like misogyny just like is is kind of at the root of major industries right you look at what happened with hollywood and the me too like movement was all about just hollywood directors being absolute garbage but even like yeah that that has been a thing since i think the basically the beginning of hollywood but also music you look at like how most bands treated their their fans and their groupies and other people in the 70s. I love Led Zeppelin, but they, they, they were not great to people, you know, things like that. That has been, like, the pervading attitude. Like, culture is cool. You're doing some... You're working somewhere cool. You could do whatever you want, right? Because you're a lord of of the culture in a way. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to this, Jess. Like, we, we've seen walkouts before. We've seen walkouts from Riot and other folks, but... uh did that lead to anything like was there any effective change after that
0: well that's a that's an interesting question um mm-hmm. I mean as we saw even this year riot was internally investigating uh, it one of its c-suite uh, employees or people uh, for sexual assault and harassment and they found that they did nothing wrong but I just this is this is still happening. This is an evolving story. Um, I do think that this is progress. I think that everything we're seeing is this is all a step in the right direction. And I like as we're talking, I, I'm like looking at my my screen, and I have Diva on my <laughs> from Overwatch <laughs> on my um yep. on my computer. That wasn't placed there. That's just my background. I play yep. a lot of Overwatch. I really like as much as I talk crap about activision blizzard i and i do because they're a huge corporation with a ton of influence in this industry so we have to hold them accountable
2: Mm -hmm.
0: i still play i play (laughs) blizzard games more than any other so like you know this is we can we can criticize we can recognize the flaws in the things Mm -hmm. we love um and this is how we just Mm -hmm. we we make it better there it'll only get better from here
2: i I think we we absolutely should go ahead sure
0: yeah, I was going to say, I just, I, I pers- have, like,
1: personal connections with this in the sense that, like, everything you guys were saying, right, like, not just systemically in the industry, but even in gaming culture and, and in society, right? Growing up, my cousins, I had, like, what, nine or ten cousins, mm-hmm. mostly boys, three of us were girls, and it would, they, we. this was, like, I don't know, in the early 2000s, and there was maybe one Xbox or something. So only four people could play at a time. It was always the boys, Mm -hmm. and it was always like maybe one or two of the girls could play at a time, and it was never me. So the one girl cousin that got to play has since grown up to be a bit like, you know, a little bit like proud of the fact that she games in an odd way that doesn't seem and feel welcoming sometimes. Because like now when we're all adults and we're still talking about games, you know, I'll occasionally get comments like, oh, do you even play? Like, you're not a real gamer. Why are you using Discord? That sort of thing. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. mm, I don't think that that's necessarily the right approach. So the reason I share yeah. this is just to be like, I think for our listeners and our audience, just think about your perspectives when it comes to, you know, people you see in games and in and, and, and gaming, in online circles, right? Like, are you bringing mm-hmm. in any of your own biases? Or are you like immediately assuming that this you know username is feminine they must play at a different skill level that sort of thing Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. just just try to check those assumptions because it's it's how you start making a more fundamental change in this in this community Mm -hmm. i think
2: absolutely one thing i want to shout out i don't know this is almost kind of like a tangent but i feel like it's all it's all kind of directly related i've been watching the the woodstock 99 documentary on Mm -hmm. hbo max and I was a teenager when that was happening, you know, like I was like, oh man, this cool concert with like a ton of bands. I love, I wish I could, I I want it more than anything in the world to like drive up to upstate New York and participate in that. That event was a disaster Mm -hmm. in a way. And it was, if you look at the documentary now, like things I didn't realize like uh, sexual assaults and rapes and violence and random groping was just Mm -hmm. like a common thing there. Mm -hmm. And it is weird how like that one event too seems like, Oh, that was like a tipping point in a way, like the post-fight club dude in the 90s who was just like, I feel I feel like the world is just not good enough for me right now. So I have all this rage. And that was kind of like the vibe with a lot of music back then, too. Anyway, check out that documentary. I think it'll be revealing to a lot of you guys about our culture and kind of like the roots of all these feelings. Um, But yeah, Jess. anything else you want to mention around this news or things we can like look forward to as we're following the story. Cause it's going to be ongoing for a while.
0: Yeah. I think this is going to take quite a while to play out fully. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we saw the riot suit took what probably two years to fully kind of come to any kind of conclusion. Um, So I would say year, two years. Um, But I'm actually, working on a, a video for YouTube for our channel, uh, just kind of summarizing what's going on with Activision and, uh yeah, how this, this fits into the context of gaming history. Stay tuned for that.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jess. And, uh, you know, we're going to move on to some other news here, but I think while we have you, there was some news that popped up last week that I wanted to dive in with you. It is Netflix's gaming plans. So we've heard, like, a couple different stories around this. Netflix kind of said, like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to like, you know, consider gaming in certain ways. And then, then they like said, Oh, we're going to start with mobile. What do you think, like, just what are your thoughts on that? Like, is this going to be like mobile games within the Netflix app? Is it going to be streaming games? Do you think that's even a smart thing for Netflix to get into right now?
0: I think it's going to be straight up just apps on your phone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is, Netflix is already doing this. They, they have a few different, you know, mobile games and, Mobile is where the money is. That's where most of the devices are. There are billions of mobile devices in the world. You can mm-hmm. target them. Um, so yeah, it, it absolutely makes sense for them to build out in their own studios or just freelance out to other studios to build some, some mobile games for their properties. I mean, mm-hmm. this, is, this is something that's just going to become more and more common with literally everything. Games are the new, I think, norm when it comes to like entertainment mediums.
2: Absolutely. And uh, I also feel like, hey, we've been talking a lot about game streaming here, right? So like xCloud stuff with Game Pass, and, um, you know, Google Stadia, Mm. all that stuff, game streaming is just feeding video to your device. It's just video, you know, on a feed. And it seems like that's something Netflix has a lot of experience with too. Like, do you think they're in a good position to be like, "Hey, let's just we can start making big budget games right now that anybody can play on their phone or TV or something"? Like, it's nothing is really stopping them from doing that, right?
0: That's so funny when you say that. I mm-hmm. get like flashbacks to On Live and Gaikai yes. and all this yes. stuff. <laughs> these these companies that really, really tried and wanted to do that and thought they could. So the only thing that's been missing to make this work is the network, the infrastructure. Yes, and yes. that's exactly what Microsoft is building out right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 5G. Yes, absolutely. Seriously. So now that like now that that's a thing, you're right. Netflix knows how to stream. Mm-hmm. Um, streaming games is very different than streaming media. Because um, you're syncing up controls. Yeah, input, yeah, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we're getting there, and, yeah, now's the time. Now's the time to start looking at it, especially for Netflix. I feel Mm -hmm.
1: like we saw the beginnings of this with Netflix trialing things like Bandersnatch, right? Their choose-your-own-adventure shows where they have an input method that they're testing, and they want to see how quickly they can react to user input maybe Mm -hmm. midstream. I don't know. Um, But I hope that that's not the only (laughs) style of interaction and game that we will see from Netflix.
2: There's there's a lot of potential here, right? Like, I when I interviewed Hironobu Sakaguchi, the creator of Final Fantasy for his new mobile game that's on Apple Arcade, Fantasian, he did bring up this idea of, like, oh, man, wouldn't it be cool if, like, there was a streaming, like, series that directly responded to the way people watched it or, like, user input in a way? Like, he was thinking, like, yeah, basically a show that would act kind of like a game, like a reality show you actually had immediate input in, which we've kind of seen on some cable and Mm -hmm. stuff. but. Mm Netflix has the opportunity to, like, really do some cool narrative things here. So, looking yeah, forward to I it. seems cool. Mm-hmm. That To me,
0: that just sounds like Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> just watch yeah. Twitch, people. Just watch <laughs> you Twitch. You can talk to them. They'll read it.
1: They'll be like, hey, what's up? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's
1: go start our own Twitch channel, Jess. Mm.
2: Oh, we would. Don't spill it. your plants. We go. so would.
1: We would. we Ooh. bring the Xbox donuts and just all kinds of fun stuff. Yep.
2: Oh, man. I'm going to fill
0: donuts. a hot tub full of plants <laughs> and just sit in it. Oh, I like that. And, have a, uh, no, sorry. That's I know. A we we need to have like a hot tub.
2: <laughs> I, d- I don't understand the hot tub thing, but that, that is a whole other conversation. Thank you so much, Jess. I have thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> so many thoughts.
0: you come back where and talk about them.
2: Yeah, where can we find your work on the internet these days?
0: Right. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Jess Condit, C-O-N-D-I-T-T. Uh, and then Instagram, Jess L. Condit.
2: Thank you so much, Jess. We will definitely have you back on like as we are talking more about the Activision stories and Whatever else is going on in gaming, and uh, let's move on, folks. Let's move on to some other news. And uh, I think the biggest buzzword in the tech world right now, metaverse. Shirlan, tell me what do you know about the metaverse? When I say metaverse to you, what is that envisioning
1: I, for you? I just want to get hype about. <laughs> marvel and the multiverse that they're building up so i'm just oh, like, sure like, that's probably jump right a, there yeah, yeah but it's not it's not exactly the same is it metaverse tell me about tell me about this metaverse you're you're talking about
2: i mean the where is it the idea of the metaverse like that is that's the neil stevenson thing right like going back to snow crash the idea of a digital world that you that is like simultaneously existing alongside the real world And it is something that we've been kind of building towards over the past couple of years, especially with the rise of AR to lesser degree VR, more AR, digital overlays over the world, um, you know, Pokemon Go, you're playing a game where Pokemon are like at physical GPS points. So Facebook, a company that's really been at the forefront of a lot of this, basically is positioning itself now. As a metaverse company, they want to be a metaverse company in the future. They've said that uh, its next products, the next hardware they're building, are the AR Ray-Ban glasses, uh, the smart glasses they've mentioned before. Um, there's an interview at The Verge, um, and Zuckerberg has talked about this stuff around the latest earnings call too. But I just want to shout it out. Um, we'll have to devote a whole episode to this eventually. But the yeah, the idea is that you know Facebook wants to be everywhere. But also, every tech company wants to be everywhere. I saw Microsoft talking about a cloud metaverse, uh, you know during their earnings call. Every tech company wants this because I think the idea is that the metaverse is the world beyond the internet, right? Right now you have the internet. It's kind of siloed. You have to be on a device, you have to like be connected to it somehow. Um, the idea of the metaverse is just like you're hanging around at home and, you know, a floating ad will just you know walk around your living room or something, um, and maybe you'll get some horrible. discounts or something for that. <laughs> the worst use case right to <laughs> exactly. So imagine you're like Blade Runner, Minority Report, dystopian futures. We're we're kind of getting there. Um, it's not too surprising because this is what the entire internet uh, economy has been building towards. It's what the ad uh, the ad world has really wanted for a long time. What do you like? Where do you stand on this Shirling? Because you've played with some of the cool, like connected glasses, um, the stuff with headphones. You're always connected, you're always online. What does the idea <laughs> of a metaverse intrigue you or freak you out? I
1: like I like how you jump <laughs> right to like your, your frame of reference or your your preferred, I guess, references uh-huh. are like Blade Runner and like the dystopian ones, whereas meanwhile, my head went to and I'm sorry, I know this name <laughs> should never be uttered on our show, but Ready Player uh-huh. One. Where it's like a, a t- it's two worlds. That's also a dystopia. It is also a dystopia. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but it's not like it's not like Blade Runner gritty. Well, it's kind of gritty. Anyway, it, I, I mean mm, my brain. Let's went, not
2: start the Shirlin. How know. dare you?
1: My brain went to uh, San Junipero that episode on Black Mirror, sure, uh, and also sure. like you know the the idea of a digital afterlife as well after the metaverse, mm-hmm. right? So like not just the world like you said beyond the internet, but the world inside the internet. Like just bringing the outside and the the inside together. Yeah, I know. Yeah,
2: it's going to kind of combine like that. And I do think like, hey, we're hearing about, you know, Silicon Valley types and billionaires. They're really interested in life extension technologies and science right now. And part of it will probably be, sure, sure. (laughs) You're just pulling the like... The All best, the worst missions. sci-fi, um, but yeah, these companies, you know, people want to preserve themselves digitally. Uh, there was a great story, I forget where it was, but about the guy who basically created an AI of his fiance who had died like oh, five yeah. years ago, and he chats mm-hmm. with her, which is both heartbreaking but also feels like a world we're headed towards. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a lot to say here. I feel like Samsung is gonna really lean into the metaverse eventually, right? Like they, they are ready to hop on every single trend. They can find.
1: I I, I I tend to agree with you, and, and I think the yeah. devices for these worlds are going to get like we're going to see it leap really quickly. I think in the next, I don't know, five to ten years. Um, oh, are we with, ready with, for this? Yeah, I don't know. With with Facebook saying that, like we're, we're the Oculus Rift is great, but we're talking AR glasses, so like you know, um, mm-hmm.
2: but not the, like Microsoft's you probably want you oh, probably won't even need to wear comments. anything, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's crazy. like that's the thing, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. holographics, things that exist in your physical environment. Things are always connected. There will be no separation between the offline and the online.
1: Isn't Google Starlight also sort of similar? That like that sort of holographic mm-hmm. display call thing. So yeah, yeah. No, we're seeing this is a trend, true. definitely.
2: Well, speaking of Samsung, I know you were very excited about <laughs> <No>. the latest S <laughs> Pen. Question I'm not
1: mark. very excited. Stop mischaracterizing me. You love it. You love, love it. Samsung. Um, I do not love Samsung. I do know that our audience cares about Samsung. So uh-huh. this week, uh, the company published a blog post by the president of its electronics division or the mobile division, uh, T.M. Mm. Rowe, who basically gave away the goods, more or less. He's like, this August 11th, which is when Unpacked is going to be held next uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern, by the way. We will be showing off the third generation of the Galaxy Z series foldables. And then he also confirmed that there will be no new Note uh, flagship. Yes. But he also, right, mm-hmm. yeah. And then he also said an S-Pen is coming for foldables. An S-Pen that was specifically designed for foldable screens is coming. So, Will it also people, be
2: foldable? Like how, what's the, uh, <laughs> what is an S-Pen? Why does it have to be specifically designed for Yeah, screen? Yeah, so,
1: so that's this is a popular feature mm. or widely requested feature, an S-Pen or a stylus for a foldable screen. Uh, in the past, you know, the S-Pen, the stylus, was not, you know, could not be used on existing samsung foldables because the screen is too soft prone to damage so like dragging a nib across that display (laughs) might damage it right so now it's Mm -hmm. you know got an s pen that can work on these displays so either the screen Mm -hmm. is hardier or the pen is softer or something else you know what i mean and so like yeah yeah we we have to wait to see what do you think DaVinci? what did what were you about to say
2: no, I think um, the pe- it'll probably be a softer pen, right? Because the yeah. physical materials for Samsung, like, I can't imagine they would somehow, within a year, be able to do, like, stronger glass that's also foldable. That's something we're going to get towards eventually. My question for you is, you review so many of these Samsung things, Sherlyn. Are, do you actually use the S Pen? You've lived with Samsung devices. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. I love, is I it mean, like yeah? it <laughs> Is it uh, real?
2: Yeah? Is the love real for the S Pen?
1: The love for the S Pen in the Note line is real. Uh-huh. And yeah. that is yeah. That's like... That's why a, you buy a Note. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's like the distinguishing factor, the hallmark mm-hmm. of the Note series. Um, it is great for navigating a bigger screen just as a basic. It's not... I mean, obviously, the main users are for like if you sketch a lot, if you're a digital artist that likes to draw on their phone. Yeah. Uh, but also, if you're a note taker, you like the feel of just the act of writing rather than pen and paper. This is a mm-hmm. great way to do it. I like using it to sign all the NDAs that I have to sign all the time. So I mean, we
2: have we have apps for that. I just like drag my finger across the touchscreen, and that's it's that's a, a signature. It's a, sure, I think fine. it's a
1: my generation kind of thing. And you and I are in the same ish generation. I do I don't know same if the people, ish.
2: You're you're in the younger cohort, um, the one I'm, I despise basically. Yeah. <laughs> so. Wow, yeah.
1: I'm not a geriatric millennial. Let's just put it. that Yeah. Way.
2: You're just um, you're approaching <laughs> that, so don't worry; but, but, it's going to come for you too.
1: I will say that that's but okay. So the reason the Note series S Pen is a little bit more uh, useful is because it has that onboard slot for the pen, right? And right. so you can you have it with you basically everywhere, every time you need it. Whereas when it when Samsung brought S Pen support to the S series flagships earlier mm-hmm. this year, they're they're separate; they're not hosted anywhere directly <laughs> on the display. Just, like, just uh, walk just around separate, with the separate.
2: pen. Just put it in your front pocket, you know? Like, it's, that's, you're going to break it or lose
1: it. I don't even, if it's not no. on board, it will, it I has don't. to be on board. Exactly. So, I highly doubt that the S Pen for foldables <laughs> will have an onboard slot, right? For, mm-hmm. on these devices, we'll see. Um, but it, but it anyhow, can be like yeah.
2: half size, like one of those half size cool. pencils, maybe. And then you're mm,
1: uh, like a stubby little, like, oh, yeah. if you're old enough, you'll just remember when you had to sharpen a pencil, exactly. pencil until the very end. Like, then you're exactly. still trying to use it. Oh, man. <laughs> giving away my age here uh, but the other thing I think too is like why you know maybe maybe S. Pence in the future won't be that popular because there's a whole generation of people who grew up whose primary means of writing was not a pen or a pencil, right? Like, that yeah. act of writing yeah. may or, like, they don't even teach cursive in schools anymore, apparently. Uh- I'm, I'm <laughs>
2: hearing that. I also – I think back to, like, when was the last time I put pen to paper in, like, an extended way to, like, take notes and stuff? Yeah. And it, it's been a while. But yeah. honestly, I do miss it, the act of doing that. You kind of, I like, do. retain information differently when you do that. So I don't totally know if the agree. same thing will happen with a stylist. Exactly. But uh, I'm interested not- in seeing any – yeah, yeah.
1: It's not like a big enough canvas, right? Every time I feel like I need to sort mm-hmm. my thoughts out because I have like this mess of a brain, I'm like, get me a like a A3 sheet of paper and a big right, pen right. and rulers, and I'm gonna draw it all out, right? Like, or I mind map in the past, mm-hmm. and so like I don't think you'll ever replicate that real experience because there's things like palm rejection that like make it right. a little hard to use. But but it might phase out, right? Because if people stop doing this you know mm-hmm. they might not need the pen experience anymore we'll, well this is all like speculation and me thinking about the you know and being said about our future generations
2: and is there any other news we can expect from unpack so new z foldables yeah. Sure.
1: yeah so so we know so we're confirming that we'll see the z uh the next z flip and z fold which by the way uh-huh. are in their third generation we are not seeing a note we'll see the s pen uh, we already knew we we're going to see the Galaxy Watch running Wear OS by uh, Google and Samsung, and based on leaks, we're and also some of the like images and Samsung's own like app updates too, right? We have a pretty good idea of what to expect, which includes Galaxy Buds too. And all of this will be detailed in an upcoming "What to Expect at Galaxy Unpacked" post that I'm working on. So we'll get to that soon. But yeah, lots. That's a lot of gadgets to show.
2: uh, Oh man, I'm I'm gonna be on vacation. So enjoy, have fun with that. (laughs) I. It's all gonna be. Will I
1: I sure won't be dying? So you and everybody (laughs) else
2: here. uh, I'm I'm gonna be far away from all this stuff. Let's move on to to something else. Uh, Intel. Mm -hmm. announced some really confusing complex news this week uh they basically updated their roadmap for their chip architecture so bear with me here the big Mm -hmm. thing is that they've uh changed the way they're talking about their node architecture and these are you know these are the things powering the chips right so Mm -hmm. like these uh the upcoming 10 nanometer uh alder lake processors that we're expecting later this year those are mm-hmm. kind of their hybrid chips they had this node called Superfin enhanced uh which talks about like just the way those transistors are put together now that's going to be called intel 7 okay, okay. intel right, 7 right. uh bear it's... with me here now uh the seven nanometer chip rocket lake which we're expecting 2023 that architecture that node has been renamed to intel 4 uh, are you noticing three? something here
1: Intel four
2: Mm
1: -hmm. does not match up.
2: It's mm -hmm. a different number, right? It's a different number than the The, uh, size, than the transistor size of the architecture, which is kind of a cheeky way for Intel to be like, "Hey guys, uh, we're catching up to AMD (laughs) and TSMC and everybody. Like, we we are definitely reducing our fabrication processes. Look at these numbers; they're They're getting smaller. smaller. They're smaller. So." This is like a hand wavy marketing thing I think they're doing, and most consumers won't even notice this. Uh, but I do, I do think it's funny because right mm-hmm. now we do talk about like Intel being behind AMD and everybody when it comes to uh, how like the size of the transistors they're manufacturing. Smaller chips typically more efficient. You can typically get more power out of those. Intel has been really struggling. Um, their 10 nanometer chips, like they have them on mobile, uh, they're going to get more powerful ones on desktop this year. But their seven nanometer chips were supposed to come out this year, have been delayed to 2023. So this is kind of a way for them to like rejigger. Yeah, we're we're, we're doing okay, guys. I think what is interesting though, um, they did talk about um, going to a world beyond one nanometer. So chips smaller oh. than one nanometer. Okay. Um, what is the the name for that? Angstrom. Angstrom. So okay, now we're how talking do you spell about that? chips. A N G. S T R O M. Uh-huh. Okay now. So those are sub-nanometer sizes for transistors. Intel's talking about basically being able to print that and design that by 2024 and have that in the market by 2025 with their upcoming architectures. So basically they're saying we're we're struggling to catch up, everybody. We will reach parity by 2024, 2025, and also by that point jump ahead of the competition by new angstrom uh they're calling it the angstrom era of Mm. computing but you know new smaller transistor designs this is all super you know super nerdy and not like the stuff that consumers really pay attention to but this does give us a a sense of like what to expect from intel's upcoming chips and shirlin i know like you follow the chip world too they announced um They announced their plans to become also a fabrication company, a company that can actually build chips for others too. They announced that their first customer is going to be Qualcomm. Do you have any oh thoughts about like what that means and where Intel's s- going? <laughs>
1: I saw the I saw the headline yeah. on our site and I went, I guessed, but I was like, <gasps> <laughs> Heavens! I like clutch my pearls. Um sure. because yeah, the rivalry between Qualcomm and Intel in the past has been so intense that like I'm like, all right. I mean, like, not in intense in the sense that like there's been any real fight <laughs> lately right uh-huh. but like qualcomm's mm-hmm. dominated the smartphone uh chip market and intel's on laptops but you know qualcomm was coming for intel and this is just like okay <laughs> so your relationship's gonna get all kinds of weird or is intel yield is intel going to kowtow to qualcomm in a way like i don't know mm. i that that was what got me. Um, I I also saw this as kind of a way for Intel to continue to survive in this market. Like not to, mm-hmm. I mean, not that it's it's doing badly by any means. This is a company that still makes a ton of money, but mm. it has been seeing a lot of competition across all its like branches right like mobile they've seen a
2: a lot of delays too i think like that's the thing intel can't get away from they just swapped the ceo i think their lead chip designer also changed up recently so they they're trying to be better uh because all these other companies are just like moving so quickly we saw news yesterday tsmc just got approval to make two nanometer chips you know and intel's (laughs) out here seven (laughs) nanometers in 2023 maybe cross our fingers (laughs) Yeah. I just
1: find it funny that they're, they're like the day after. I, I mean, TSMC is like, oh, two nanometers, yeah. and Intel's are like we're thinking beyond one nanometer. We're thinking yeah. smaller, I'm still- and then like that's going to happen in like three decades from now.
2: Probably. Well, we'll see if our yeah. entire world is not underwater by then. I cannot think or ahead to twenty twenty five. I don't. I, I don't even know. So, hey, Intel's <laughs> changing things up. We'll be keeping an eye on all this. Let's move on to like news we can actually hear. And feel I know things you're excited about, Sherlyn.
1: No, no, I just I mm-hmm. just want to bring this up because people on our people who listen to us are pretty interested in this, right? Uh, Nothing, which is if you recall, the hardware company that was started by former OnePlus director uh, and OnePlus co-founder Carl Pei. Mm-hmm. Um, they've officially unveiled the first product, the Ear One wireless earbuds. Now. This, we've talked about the Ear One over uh-huh. and over again. I don't want to go too much into detail here. It's, you know, the, the thing we've really learned that are new are the price, which is just $99, which is really nice. That's not um, bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh the transparent case we've already talked about in earlier episodes of this show. Uh, you can get it in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K., uh, and, and like some 43, 42 other more countries on August 17th. And some special features are like... and. Eleven point six millimeter driver with software and hardware from Teenage Engineering. Like they, they make, excuse me, they make portable music creation tools. Um, I love,
2: I love the name of the company, Teenage, teenage Engineering. engineering. Also, all they do is build like cool, cool little bits of yeah. electronics, like little gadgets. They are also like, I think behind that, the uh, was it the play, play test that little handheld with the crank. They're also helping play with Q? the design of that too. Play no, test? Not play I can't Q. remember
1: the yeah the play date I can't even.
2: I'll check it, I'll check it yeah. out. Mostly uh, Nicole, Nicole just did a hands-on with I it. I know. Yeah.
1: It's like on the tip of my tongue. That's one of those yeah. moments. Um, back to the the uh, ear one really mm-hmm. quick while you find that name. Um, yeah, there's two mm-hmm. options for active noise cancellation. You've got light noise cancellation and you've got maximum uh, ANC. And then there's you know the typical stuff you expect from earbuds, mm-hmm. but not really at this price. You have... Um, Nothing saying that it has clear voice technology to reduce background noise and wind sound, and then you've got Find My Earbuds, like, like everybody else. By yeah, the way, it's, like that's something features. every
2: yeah. every earbud has. I'm thinking of the uh, the Playdate. By the way, so Nicole, ah. and Gadget just did some hands on with that. That thing looks really cute. I'm looking forward to playing with that. Uh, that is from Panic. So mm-hmm. another like product teenage engineering has helped with.
1: Yes, teenage engineering mm-hmm. is all over the. You know, industry right now, too. Their, their name is popping up everywhere. Anyhow, the Love Nothing it. Ear One officially, officially announced with the availability and price. So there you go. Now, in in wireless earbud world, there was uh, another launch. Master and Dynamic, uh, for people familiar with the space, I guess, are also mm. a pretty well-known name. And uh, it has launched this week a new <laughs> Sport Earbuds for three hundred and
2: fifty dollars. For on Man. the other end
1: of the spectrum, three hundred and fifty bucks. Uh, so I mean, I know
2: that's <laughs> the last thing I want with sport earbuds. I want those things to be disposable, please.
1: I don't know. I yeah. mean, I I used my Pixel buds at the gym, and they're pretty. Yeah, again, disposable yeah, earbuds. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They're, <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're they're so cheaper. Bad.
2: They're much cheaper. Um, yeah.
1: So the MWO8, the Master Dynamic MWO8 Sport um you know have excellent sound because you know this is a good audio brand and then you know 12 hour mm-hmm. battery life as well as improved ANC the case the charging case and carrying case is made out of kevlar apparently or covered in kevlar uh so it's scratch and shatter resistant uh, the, the the buds themselves are also scratch and shatter resistant so they're they're you know hardy the they're not buds disposable buds are scratch resistant i yeah, mean the, yeah
2: that, okay Apparently sure. with
1: sapphire glass I don't I will see
2: Why is there glass on my earbuds?
1: I mean on I, active
2: exercise earbuds. They I don't, feel like they're not a supposed with to fall out product. of your
1: ears. The only time my buds have fallen out of my hands or ears really mm-hmm. lately is like when I was trying to get into an Uber and it fell under the tire. I was like holy crap. It, oh.
2: it survived.
1: It didn't break actually. It survived. Yeah.
2: They didn't like they, they didn't back up or anything. <laughs> Thank that goodness. That is the uh, the ultimate nightmare with any wireless earbuds is that I think before when you dropped your earbuds or your headphones, like, they just pop straight down, right? And you yeah. find the, the cable and you yeah. just find it. Now, if you drop your wireless earbud case, they explode yeah. and they go all over the yeah. place. Uh, that happened to me once on an airport check-in line. And I was like, oh, this is this is great and, and inconvenient. Yeah. But thankfully, people were around me and were able to, like, grab oh. it. but. It's like a weird, you know, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty problem we've been we're dealing with now, where these things are more convenient, but also so much more inconvenient in other ways. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. We'll have to see. I yeah.
1: mean, th- th- new technology comes with new problems, right? So we'll see, man.
2: Are we? Are we? Are we actually gaining enough for that? I don't know. Let's <laughs> talk about something we'll fun, and I know that you really want to talk about
1: uh, something I... sweet. I I mean yeah something sweet is that uh, this is this has taken the internet by storm, Krispy Kreme is making Xbox donuts, Xbox branded donuts, and even better they're official. I I guess they paid sure. Microsoft some licensing money. <laughs> I whatever. Uh, so hey for those of you who need a uh, uh, I almost uh,
2: wonder if Microsoft paid them. To like, hey, uh, let's just let's get the brand. Money out changed hands. We don't know
1: which direction. Yeah. Maybe by direction. Maybe anyway. Um for for those who are curious, uh, this is like a round donut without the hole in the middle. It's got the green X. It's got a green I think it's matcha cream. Uh-huh. Uh in the in on the top, and then powdered sugar, um, you know, in filling that so-called background <laughs> of the of the X. So mm. not I mean, it looks really good. I don't know. It's, I, I'm going to look at the flavors right now just to get the details. Yeah,
2: Matcha but would be good. I don't... Yeah. When we started talking about this, this is where I came out with my stunning admission that I think Krispy Kreme donuts are overrated. But, hey, come at me, Internet. Look, I'll, I'll fight you. Look, yeah. a donut is a donut. I
1: don't even... I don't care anymore. Uh, the
2: the Xbox
1: uh, donuts are called the Nexus Level Donuts. I believe they're available Nexus. in the UK and Ireland. Not sure if it's in the US just yet. Um, it just says coming soon Xbox UK on the Krispy Kreme UK site, right? So uh, if over here in America, we're lucky enough, we might get them. Uh, but they're available from August 2nd to 22nd in those areas. So... Lucky you. Get to stuff a big green X into your face.
2: Let's move on to what we've been working on. Uh, I just want to quickly shout out my review of Intel's Nook 11 Extreme, which is a, a little tiny desktop. It's a... I don't know how tiny. It's eight liters big. Like, that. that is actually... It's a... I would call it a chonky boy because it is both smaller than a mid-tower PC, but bigger than like any nook we've seen from intel nook stands for next unit of computing this is their experiment to like create tiny little boxes they can have the power of a desktop computer. So sort of like the Mac mini, but something that you can configure and build up over time. These uh, extreme ones, I saw, I reviewed the Nook 9 extreme last year. That was like a five liter box. It could fit a eight inch uh, GPU, like an actual graphics card. Uh, And it also had these things called compute elements, which are removable cards that have built-in CPUs. So the idea is that if you buy one of these over time, pop out that card, pop in a new CPU, you could just keep going. Like it's supposed to be like a modular PC design um, where there there are small form factor PCs already. Mini ITX is a thing, but those things are a nightmare because it involves installing a CPU and all the little hardware in tiny little cases. And it's, a, it's already hard enough in a full-sized uh, or even a mid-tower uh, desktop. On a small case, it's impossible. So I'm not too big a fan of those things. I think Intel has like, come up with a way to like really make this design work this new one fits full size two slot uh gpus up to 12 inches so i fit i fit an rtx 3080 in this case you know it was a tight fit but i fit it and it also had enough power it has one of the new eleven nine ninety processors i believe and one before some of these only had mobile chips this one is a desktop chip, though not as like hot as like Intel's fastest desktop chips. Basically, it's a really small box that's really powerful. Um, but these things will cost a lot of money. I believe it's going to go for like eleven hundred to thirteen hundred bucks, depending on the CPU you get, just for the kit. And on top of the kit, you have to add memory, OS, storage, GPU, all the stuff. So basically, you're going to add another one thousand dollars to that to have like a semi decent system. That's a lot of money, but I do think like there are some people who like small form factor stuff who appreciate having hardware that's powerful, that doesn't take up much room. So for them, like this is a really interesting solution, and uh, I really dig it. I also feel like we're going to get to a world where more people are going to want like secondary computers, um, especially as we get into game streaming. You can stream games from one computer, but... Man, it sure makes life a lot easier on your system and your overall like hardware and management if you're like piping your gaming CPU over to another box. It's handling the streaming work. So you're distributing the workload in a way. So I think that's becoming more common too, especially as people start to take streaming seriously. So I think in that way, having powerful small boxes could be really good. Anyway, check out my review. I really dug this one, even though it's incredibly expensive. Mm. Jess, yeah, yeah, surely. Jess, what is up with you? Jess, <laughs> surely. I'm not trying to you? be Jess. <laughs> Well, I no. Know. I know.
1: <laughs> when you said uh, when you said chunkster just now, I was thinking we. I want to come up with a scale of how much how chunky a thing is. So if something mm. is really a chunkster, a big mm. big chunkster, we call it a chunkster, right? If it's just, mm. if it's a medium chunkster, we call it a honkster. And then a, if a it's big a big boy, yeah, it, no, <laughs> a medium, a medium, a medium little thing, we call it a honkster. Mm. And then if it's a teeny. Uh. It's still a chonky boy, but it's a smaller chonky boy. We call it an it's small. It's, S-
2: it's small. It's small. It's small. No, small is a
1: whole other thing. We do, we, and on the scale of chonk, we got onk, honk, or chonk. You know what I mean? Mm. Anyway.
2: I see. Uh, Let's codify this. Please. Yeah. What are you working on?
1: When I'm not coming up with great new lingo, I <laughs> working on a ton of secrets y'all don't even know. This one I am super hype about. You'll hear about it very soon. Suit. You know, but like by the next time mm, you hear yeah. us talk, you will you will know what I'm talking about. I am very okay. excited. Uh, and then, of course, we know Samsung Galaxy Unpacked is happening on August 11th. So there's usually a lot of prep work lead, leading up to that um, in the weeks before that. So, you know, there's that as well. Um, and I'm trying to remember if there's anything else. Oh, and I'm reviewing some interesting fitness gadgets. So... Stay tuned. There's a lot of stuff, but, you know, I'm also catching up from break, So, not thankfully, not, you know, immediately swamped with
2: work. Oh, man. I'm yeah. glad you took a break. I'm going to be out for two weeks. So, good Ooh. luck, suckers. Good luck with all this.
1: I'm <laughs> yes, going to walk be, away. You're, you're picking a right. I, I did tell you, early August. Be careful what you're August, talking
2: about. I mean, you, yeah, for for you. It's really Samsung has ruined everything because normally nobody really does anything. In early mm-hmm. August, and Samsung's here, like, oh, here's here's an empty slot for us to like dump more news into that nobody will actually care about, and we enjoy trolling. Let's let's go on to our pop culture picks. What are your secret picks this week for me? The
1: uh the first one isn't really a pick pick. It's kind of a dud. Um, in in the sense that like I'm not sure. I guess I'm not sure if you'll approve. So I wanted to um uh. Watch, like, Southeast Asian films and, you know, be, like, recommending. And I, I've been seeing the trailer for uh Ghost Lab on Netflix show up a yeah, lot. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a Thai yeah. movie about um, a pair of doctors who set out to prove the existence of ghosts, scientifically prove the existence of ghosts because, you know, they had, like, a, an encounter in the hospital. Now, look, I, I, mm-hmm. I had a really fun... This is up right. your alley. Yeah. This is yeah. very up my alley. Uh, I hadn't seen a Thai horror film in, you know, ever since Shudder. So it's really long. Mm-hmm. Shudder was good. Yeah. 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 So, so and and they do get in a dig at Shudder, by the way, uh, in this film. <laughs> They're like, Shudder? What Shudder? You know, this is almost like a, a dig like that. But, so mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the first two thirds of this show where like they are mixing genres a little bit. It almost feels like comedy, horror, but also, you know, sometimes... Adventure romp, kind of a thing, and then towards mm-hmm. the end it gets melodramatic, and I've seen a review describe it as a soap opera, where it does get quite <laughs> soapy, Um and uh-huh. I think that that's where it kind of struggles. But otherwise, the first two thirds, I was like, I'm going to recommend this for the Engadget podcast, and then and then all the reviews told me no, so so that's why I'm saying it's kind of a dud. But if, if you, you enjoy, like it, you like
2: it. So I yeah,
1: I personally liked it. I think that it's been a while since I'd seen a Thai film that's like you know, mm-hmm. this this much fun for me anyway. I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of other Thai horror films actually, but they just kind of were, weren't so memorable. This one was, was great. The acting was yeah. good. The the ideas and the the concepts they put forth, it was a very different kind of horror movie. Let's just put it that way. Not Not scary yeah, I, all the way through.
2: I haven't seen like a Thai horror movie in a while too. It feels like the big, a lot of more stuff is happening in Indonesia right now, where Ooh. there's so many great action movies. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, things coming out of there. Yeah. Anyway, anything else, Shirlan?
1: So that was my first one, and then mm-hmm. like, of course, I can't remember my second one either. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> your plan is you need to write these down. I write them
1: down, but I can't find <laughs> the chat in which I've written them down. It's now.
2: it's under it's under your face. Look look on the screen. <laughs> Blood Red Sky. Julio, cue me. Blood Red Sky. Blood Red Sky. Oh, thank you. Blood Red Sky.
1: So (laughs) I decided to recommend you guys something that was better reviewed. Okay, Blood Red Sky I've also seen during my break. And as you can tell, I watch a lot of horror suspense films. Blood Red Sky is also very interesting, like different movies. So this is a woman who's traveling with her son, By airplane. Um, And she appears to have some kind of disease. Spoiler alert, she's a vampire. Other spoiler alert, (laughs) the plane that they're on, uh, it gets hijacked by people who say they're not terrorists, but they
2: basically are.
1: And uh, yeah, they- they just make
2: vampires on a plane, basically?
1: Yeah, more or less. Vampires
2: and hijackers on a plane? Very
1: fun, because they they attack this woman. They're like- Mm-hmm. You know, they attack everyone on the plane, right? And then they're like, mm-hmm. sit in your seats." and then whatever. And then it's it's just so fun as, like, the dramatic <laughs> irony where, like, you know she's a boss-ass vampire that could take their blood, right? But then they're like, yes, sit in your seat, B-word. And then, like, she's like... <sighs> so it's just is, like- a, is a
2: <laughs> flight the smartest thing for a vampire to do? Like, don't people, like, open up windows when the sun comes up and stuff? Like, it seems like... Seems like Apparently, this was an overnight yeah.
1: flight that was flying against the sun or something like, like, you know, the a
2: true red eye. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. One of those. And then she hit in the cargo hold or something. I don't know. There's mm. there's all kinds of. Yeah, there's a lot of action. It's a very interesting movie. Now, I I struggled to like again near the end. But this movie was very <laughs> It stars Dominic Purcell as one of the um, hijackers. Uh, I know him from Prison Break. Uh, and yeah. he also and,
2: he also played a vampire in Blade Trinity. And Ooh. helped to ruin that movie. So he played also, like Dracula himself in Blade Trinity. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. He was also in yeah. isn't that
1: that DC show? What's that one called? Crap.
2: He's he's in the one with the prison break guy, too. Yes, he, exactly. He well, with President Miller break and bro. him. They're they're yeah. baddies
1: in, they were in the Legends Flash, of then, Tomorrow. And then Legends of yeah. Tomorrow. There you go. Um but anyhow, it stars him and the movies like in half in German and in English as well. Mm-hmm. Uh the woman, I can't remember offhand her name, which is actually really bad of me. I just remember the one guy that I know. Um but <laughs> Enjoyable, very different type of uh, a horror movie again. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for those, here are two. Yeah. Keep your mind open about them, but they're <laughs> fun ones.
0: Yeah,
2: I feel like Blood Red Sky may be the easier, because it's not a series, right? It's just a movie. Oh, so no, Ghost Lab is out. a
1: movie, too. It's
2: oh, just, just a straight movie. movie. Okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. That's cool. Uh, I, I like bringing up Dominic Purcell because every time I remember that guy's face, he's just like, he's a very square face. The guy <laughs> looks like a loaf of bread, but he's also like very intense too. He's hilarious. I love yeah. him. I want to shout out a couple of things. Season two of Ted Lasso. Hells daring. Yeah. It is very good. Um, so I did good. want to warn people, I think the, uh, the first episode... Is a little it's a little dour. It is about really? like people dealing with like their insecurities. Uh, I, I know some people are like, Oh, did did the show lose it? Because uh I won't spoil what happens in the very first episode, but it starts with something right, right, right. that is a little controversial to a lot of people. Yeah, but I do yeah. think um I, I I've seen ahead a bit and I will say, Don't worry. This is very
1: good. I Don't haven't worry seen it ahead, all. but I still like this season premiere. I still liked it because it, yeah. it, in true Ted Lasso fashion, everyone picks themselves up, right? And ev- yep. there's a, the, it's the the episode wraps nicely. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed it still.
2: I, th- I think it's good. And it's also, it's still a smart show that really yeah. is good about getting its characters, like interrogating its characters, questioning why they feel the way they feel, yes. having them solve problems maturely, like goddamn adults. Yes. Um, it is a rare thing to see on television. Yes. And uh, I also appreciate that this season really starts to call Ted Lasso out on his shit too. Yeah. It's like, what do you what are you doing here with, with all of this? Like yes. what is this attitude? What are you covering up here? Um I'm very interested in seeing where that's going. It's also really funny and uh if you're for people who are fans of Roy, be like, Oh grumpy, love Roy Kent. Yep. Love Roy Kent. Uh there's a lot of good Roy Kent content. Yes. In ooh Roy Kent content in this season so i appreciate all that this is one of those shows where i love everybody i love all the characters so it is still going strong keep like watch ted lasso people if you if our effusive praise of season one did not convince you it is still going strong so Mm -hmm. definitely check it out it's on apple tv plus i also want to quickly shout out old the Mm. new m night Shyamalan, a director who i both love and hate um I grew up really loving his movies and like yeah. appreciating him as an artist uh, because there were practically no Indian American directors uh, right. in the 90s and he, even till now not really many um but also his movies were like I grew up with the success and unbreakable mm. and I thought he was a master early not on science? then and signs signs is good mm-hmm. but I think you start to see like oh his fall from grace with the end of signs and the village and everything that happened. I think a lot of people, he is such an intriguing creator to me because he's had this fall from grace. He kind of picked himself back up. He's self-financing these small movies like the visit and split and glass, Mm -hmm. which also kind of broke my heart, but Hey, he did something really cool with split that Mm -hmm. I will. That's why I go to a Shyamalan movie. Old is a film about a beach that makes you old very quickly. That's the thing. It's based on a French graphic novel. I think it, You know, you kind of see the worst of his elements here. His dialogue is not great. Um, Sometimes the way he positions characters and things is really robotic. But it also does a great job of, like, showing off his skills as a visual storyteller. The way some of these scenes uh, go, I think, are very dynamic because of the way he moves the camera. It is, uh, it's really intriguing. It's a great thriller. And it's also deeply messed up. In many ways, it reminds me of, like, it's almost like a Junji Ito story done as a live action movie like things you've never seen before um which i will not spoil here but be prepared uh, maybe don't go in eating if you go see this movie um yeah so yeah i, I reviewed it on the film cast so you can check out my full thoughts there i do kind of wish like this is one of those Shyamalan things where he ends up over explaining at the end and if it had ended like 10 minutes just ended earlier don't you don't have to explain everything you don't have to put yourself in the middle of it i think it would actually be stronger so i'm still rooting for this guy i hope he like learns to trust his audience eventually uh he's also doing the uh the apple tv plus show servant which is also deeply messed up and i think fun to watch so yeah i'm still following Shyamalan. no jokes about twists please
1: Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Davindra online at...
2: At Davindra on Twitter. And I podcast about movies and TV at the Filmcast podcast at thefilmcast.com.
1: If you can figure out a way to send virtual massages, please... Hit me up on I don't know what you're, what I you're know, asking like, for I was like, wait, now. I'm looking for, like, mm. relaxation, but I guess What are you asking for there? Creepy. Anyway. Mm. Uh, don't send Sherlyn anything. If you can be, if you can send a virtual hug on Twitter, I'm at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcast at Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify.
2: Thanks again to our sponsor, Mouser Electronics. Not only does Mouser stock the world's widest selection of semiconductors and electronic components, they also offer an original content series called Empowering Innovation Together. Each month, EIT takes a deep dive into the hottest tech trends, and this month, the focus is on AI and edge computing. Check out podcasts, articles, infographics, video, and more at mouser.com empowering innovation.